This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right. Tyler Conway. A Bleacher Report is on the line right now. Tyler, good evening. How are you? Not too bad. How are you doing, Chase? I mean, it's Monday. It's almost <laughs> Christmas. It's a it's a good time. Are you are you a Christmas person? Um, kind of. I mean, I think I'm 27 now, so it's kind of the thing where you go home and you're and I'm not married or anything like that yet. So I'm kind of in that awkward phase where I'm not fully an adult, but I'm not fully over the whole Christmas thing. So it's kind of a middle ground. What does that mean? I don't know what that actually means because, I mean, I'm 26 and I'm also in the same boat as you, but I'm kind of concerned as to what that means because, I mean, I have to deal with that next weekend when I go home. So what does that actually mean? Okay, so sh- you go home and I'm still single, so it's one of those things where you talk. Same. <laughs> exactly. So you, you bullshit around with your family. Well, we can swear on here, right? For sure. Okay, thank God. <laughs> I don't want to edit myself. But so, like, you go home and you're like, talking to your family who'd never see you see them mm-hmm. like three or four times a year and you're like i have to answer these same bullshit questions i've been answering since i've been like 20 my grandma i think's been trying to get me married off since i've been like 19 20 years old because mm-hmm. because she's old as shit and wants like <laughs> grand- <laughs> wants great grandchildren <laughs> so she's just trying to pawn me off on any human being and i'm from a small town like originally so they so they're just like naturally inclined to, to people getting married early and shit like that mm-hmm. so they're not used to people being 27 and still being single i think i'm pretty sure that they think i'm gonna die alone at this point mm. <laughs> which is possible but i mean i don't think so but that's the whole that's the whole uh Oof. rotation here I mean, I wouldn't talk about basketball, but now that we're going down the rabbit <laughs> hole of just like dying alone, I don't know, man. Like oh, both these things, both these topics are very near and dear to my heart. So I don't oh, know which one go to dark. go down. It's fine. Let's go dark. Let's go dark. <laughs> it's the holiday season. <laughs> let's, let's let's depress everyone. It's great. It'll be oh, fine. Oh my god! Do you at least like Christmas lights? <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll pass them and I'll I'll be cool with it, but. I'm, I'm, yeah, okay, maybe I'm a little bit of a Scrooge. Fuck it. Maybe I am. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, on Twitter, to be honest, man, like, you, you, I don't want to say reckless, because I feel like that is, it's a little, br- that's, it's a little much, but I will say, you, you I, I have monitored your tweets for a long time, man. Like, I have been interested in getting you on the pod for a while, but at the same time, man, I, I was worried that you would not have an hour to yourself to avoid going after something <laughs> or somebody on Twitter. I straddle the line. Let's put it this way. <laughs> like, <laughs> and the worst part is I, I hold myself back. That's the shitty part. Do you? Yes. There are times where I go, oh, I'll, I'll pull myself back. I'll pull myself back. Really? Yeah. <laughs> what is the biggest pullback moment of your life? Oh, actually, not life. <laughs> This year, 2017, what is the biggest pullback where you're like, you were starting to write a tweet and you're like, nope, not today? Oh, Jesus. I mean, 
fuck. Sometimes I'll just be like, I'll see something that Trump says, and mm. I'll and I'll get so pissed off for like five. That's a rookie seconds. mistake. Yeah, and I'll get five. I'll I'll give myself five seconds. I'm like, okay, I'm not gonna be one of those idiots who reply to Donald Trump for the next nine hours. So I'm just gonna take a little break from Twitter here and go walk away and then five seconds later i'll see some other bullshit and i'll be mad about that and it's just a cycle it's just it's it's really just a perpetual cycle of me being angry on the internet twitter's a bad place (laughs) i think the internet might just be a bad place because i had like your situation is kind of like what mirrors so many people like our age where we just like open our phones we just see stuff and we're like oh Oh, why do I even get online anymore? What is the point? This is all bad. I don't like this. And that's the thing. We're like the last generation who didn't quote unquote grow up with the internet. Like, yeah, because we were like still quote unquote playing outside nonsense. We still had technology, but it wasn't any good yet. So we had shitty dial up internet that we see like a boob on the internet when we're like 13 and it'd take nine. I didn't get a smartphone until I was like 18 or 19 years old. Neither did I. I was like, I had. I've talked to people who are even three or four years younger than me and they are baffled by it. It's it, they had Facebook in high school. I think Facebook was the last year in my high school. And then in the college is when it really started to take off. But social media is generally kind. We're still kind of generally dumb compared to young people with social media. I'm okay with that. <laughs> I didn't get Snapchat till 2015. Really? Yeah. I mean, I've thought about, delete my snapchat back and forth for a couple of years now I, I was i was a holdout I, because i hate taking pictures i'm not a picture mm. i, I i'm okay. not i don't like to stand there and like i i don't use instagram at all so whenever really whenever cool shit happens on instagram like a player talk shit or something like that i never see it i'm like mm. way behind i'm like 45 minutes behind it has to get on, happen on twitter for me to see mm-hmm. it yeah but Snapchat up actually found a way that, that's kind of useful and fun because you can be stupid as humanly possible. <laughs> <laughs> it's again kind of my brand, so it works. Because that's what I don't like. I don't like that I have this anonymity with <laughs> Snapchat and everything, where it's just like it's in my friend stuff, and then it's just like I, I don't know. I don't. <sighs> Social media, man, it's just dumb. It's it really, very stupid. And meanwhile, I'll spend 15 hours a day just scrolling up and down a timeline. It's really miserable. <laughs> Thankfully, I don't do that. I do not do that. I am just uh, so. Basically, my day has been highlighted by this Charles C.W. Cook piece on National Review um, for Jennifer Rubin. He just like goes after it's it's a a visceral piece that I just I was here for. It was it was rough, but he's one of my favorite writers. I read all kinds of pieces, and I like I have all kinds of favorite writers, and I'm all across the spectrum, so I'm all constantly reading people. But like one of my favorite people like andrew tobolowski of mass moneyball we have this inside <laughs> joke with david brooks pieces and we just had this whole back and forth for a couple of years now where we're like when the new one comes out where it's just like what is he even talking about what is he doing you, we, gonna- we just send it to each other we're like have you seen this and that's the, that's what social media is for. You just honestly. get excited to talk shit about other yes people that's don't exactly know. it's, it's yes. perfect you just we get so oh. pumped you, you like have people who you just hate via social media <laughs> and then you just wait for them to pull some fuck shit and then you can just find them and just talk shit all day. It's perfect. It's ridiculous. <laughs> we just get excited and I'm just like, I, I got yeah. a notification on my phone from Andrew the other day and I was like, I know what this is. I, I didn't even have to look at what it was. I was like, I know it's a link to a David Brooks New York Times <laughs> piece. I know what this is. And I bet you can easily, just easily meet these people in real life and they're probably cool as shit. But you but you see their social media profile or their work or whatever, and there's just something that's so grating about them. It's ridiculous. 
Yeah, it's it's crazy. It's, that's one of the. I don't know if it's a downfall, but maybe I don't know. Like there are a lot of people on social media that like, you kind of connect with, and you're like, oh, I wish they were not like nine billion miles away, where like, we could hang out, we could have coffee, we could drink or whatever, and it'd be fun. It'd be cool. Exactly. We have a lot. We have a lot in common. We could talk about a lot of different things, but yeah it, uh, like there's about 30 people on the entire internet let's go get shit face somewhere and then and that'll be and that, otherwise everyone will fuck them they're, they're i don't all know just if i want to get shit face with anyone on the internet i don't know oh i feel like i would I, because really yeah because the story Here's your number one pick that you would want to get shit face with oh. get shit face with on the internet oh well no that's not fair because i would pick trump really <laughs> yeah absolutely no, no thank you i'm it's gonna be a that's gonna be a yeah. hard pass for me oh it's gonna be a oh i want the shit show i i, I like i just want to be like making mental notes of whatever he's saying when he was drunk as hell and i just want to use it all on social media to get super famous and just shit on him the whole time so you're gonna get done with it and you're just gonna recording things for like an hour and a half you're just gonna like put your phone on record oh, i'm gonna the get go I'm going to pull the v, v Seviano and just Donald mm. Sterling his ass and get him out of office and get like 200,000 followers overnight. It'll be perfect. Wow. <laughs> this is going to be a hard transition to the Charlotte Hornets. <laughs> like I was thinking of different ways of how I could like transition to the Charlotte Hornets. But... I, I mean, we could talk about Dwight's personal life. I mean, if we really want to talk about shit show again, but, <laughs> but anyway, let's, let's talk about basketball. Can we like not, can we go ahead and end on this podcast that Dwight Howard's not going to be an all-star this year? Oh God. I mean, maybe like that's might. coming up. Like I get on Twitter and I see like, there's this, like people are hyping this back up, but like Dwight's back. He's in, he's playing with a coach that knows how to use him. Like Steve Clifford knows how to use Dwight Howard. It's like, no, it's, he doesn't I mean, suck. I'm, Here's the problem. Dwight doesn't suck. Dwight never sucked. Dwight the problem was Dwight Dwight at his height was amazing. Now Dwight's just kind of good. He's okay. And there's just this weird transition with players, like superstars especially, where they can't be just okay anymore. They either just they either go from star to suck or they go from star to okay, but we don't accept that. They don't it's like the Vince Carter corollary. Like Vince Carter transitions himself into being this like fucking role player for the last what, eight, nine years of his career? And it's Has amazing. It been that long? Uh, what? When did he go to? What? What year did he start with the with the Mavs? Oh, I was gonna say. I thought you were about to say the Magic, and I was be. I was about to be very offended. I was about <laughs> to be very offended because no, I mean, Vince Carter on the Magic was still not. He he wasn't a role player at that point. He was, no, he wasn't he was a role, big time. He was he, a big time acquisition at that point. He was a serviceable like third or fourth best player in the team. I remember arguing with one of my best friends at the time of like, no, I have to watch. <laughs> the magic celtics playoff game like i remember getting angry i was like no no no, we're not doing anything until i watch vince carter in yeah. this game like i have to watch this this is so, just part of my life so vince started with dallas in 2011 so that's what six okay. years now six he's years been, he's been a role that's player fair. six years and he he was in, like he split the year with phoenix and orlando the year before that and he wasn't very good with either of those teams so you're talking about basically a six or seven year span where he's just a role player and it's kind of amazing but he's a Good role player, not now, but oops, yeah, but yeah, that's basically where we're at with it, and that's kind of where we're at with Dwight. He's in this mid stage of his career where he's just a role player. Could this be the last year of Dwight uh, in the NBA? Yeah. Oh hell no! He's no, he's, no, no, no. He's going to keep playing. I don't see him. I mean, he's playing too well, honestly, to quit now. And there's money to be made. I, I'm not going to turn down and. Another ten, twenty million dollars. If I'm Dwight so Howard, he's he's thirty two. He just turned thirty two. 
if you had to pick three years of Cody Zeller or three years of Dwight Howard for the next, I mean, like for three years, who would you pick? Oh, Cody Zeller. I mean, I'm right. Not- <laughs> Cody Zeller's great. Yeah, Cody Zeller's fine. I mean, he's I, terrible I, on Twitter, but he's great in, uh, on the basketball. I mean, do, do you look at Cody Zeller and be like, oh, that's going to be an interesting follow? Like, <laughs> <laughs> is this a person that you look at and you're like, oh, fuck, I got to follow Cody Zeller and see what the hell he's up to? No. <laughs> like, <laughs> absolutely not. That's fair. Um, do you know what Dwight Howard's like Twitter profile like header is right now? Oh God, no. And I probably don't want to know. It is DH at center. (laughs) That's what it says. DH at center. Why does he do these things? I don't don't know. (laughs) And he has his hashtag. His entire profile is hashtag 12 is back. He's he's somehow cornier than stay mellow. It's somehow cornier than stay mellow, which I didn't think was possible. But it's going to make this so much worse because Dwight, like, I definitely feel bad for guys like him and Jaw and other dudes like Greg Monroe and those kind of guys that, like, kind of have been ostracized in a way that they, like, 10 years ago would have never thought was possible. But, you know, the league hit them in a way where, like, (laughs) wrong place, wrong time. Shit happens. Yeah, I mean, I get it. So that's why I understand. But, like, Dwight seems impervious to that change. Like, I don't. I think he's like fighting against the current is what I'm saying. Like, I think a lot of sinners and I think Greg Monroe is one of them have adapted. I think Dwight's like, no, I can withstand <laughs> this um, the I mean, storm. I can, I can figure out a way to bounce back and, and like he, figure this out. And he kind of has, he's okay. Like he's definitely decent this year. He's playable. I mean, he's grabbing a lot of rebounds. Charlotte's second rebounds per game right now. They're, they're, okay with but they suck i mean i mean they're terrible that's the thing is like dwight's playing really well and then people are like oh dwight's he might be back with steve clifford they're third to last in the east they're bad their roster's kind of bad they went all in on kind of a mediocre ass team that was i should mention they're 10 to 19 as we're recording this on a monday night it's it's not great yeah they're not making the playoffs like that's over they can they're not a playoff team and they're capped out at least the next two years so we're we're about to talk about we're about to talk about kemba and yeah what the hell do you do here because you can either extend him uh over the summer next at at some point because he has he's under contract for next year too or you could trade him but what the hell are you going to do after you trade him? Because you still have all these crap contracts on your roster. You're probably not going to get a better point guard than Kemba Walker to come there in free agency or via the draft. So you're in this like small market hell where you're both capped out and not any good. I, I, I don't know what to do. Like, th- There's no real right answer. My, the, the right answer really, I mean, to me, is to trade his ass. Because you, um, but that's always my answer with these small market and mid-market teams. I'm a big process believer, so I would tear it down. <laughs> so, but there's a, I guess, a sect of fans who don't believe in the quote unquote process and don't believe in tanking, and they're very dumb and I, they annoy me. But, <laughs> like, if you're, if you're Kemba, what do you get for Kemba at that point either? But, okay, what would, if you're looking at this, what would be a fair trade for Kemba for you? So, if Brett Cormanos on Real GM read this really great piece called Charlotte's forthcoming Kimball Walker decision. And this was something where I've been back and forth on Charlotte all year and they made bad decisions. As he points out, like they kind of like, they didn't need to sign Dwight Howard. They didn't need to lock up Nick Batum for a long time. They overinvested in Jeremy Lamb and Marvin Williams and all these and Marco Bellinelli turns out not a great investment in like replacing Jeremy Lynn 
with <laughs> Ramon Sessions was not a good thing. And I will go ahead and say, like, I remember at the time of like just being like, oh my God, I can't believe they're replacing Jeremy Lin with Ramon Sessions. Sessions is terrible. He's been <laughs> terrible for like a decade. Like, I don't want to just go after a dude, but like, I just remember being upset about Charlotte going with, of uh, just going with Ramon Sessions over Jeremy Lin at the time. Of just like, if you watched any Charlotte games that year with Lin and Kim on the court together, it was like, okay, this works. And I think Kimba just works so well when you have multiple playmakers around him where he can kind of do his own thing. And then if necessary, he can be a playmaker, but you still have Batum and another guard who can just kind of drive and kick and do different things. And now they don't have that because Jeremy Lim is just a mid range God and loves it. And then you have Nick Batum who can't stay healthy. And then you have Marvin Williams who's kind of struggled since that great uh, Ronnie had a couple years ago and then you have Dwight Howard in there and Cody Zeller can't stay healthy. And it's just, it's a rough situation. It's like, how do you even figure this out? And then like his comparison is like the jazz when they traded Darren Williams, like could Kimba get the same kind of haul the jazz got for Darren Williams? What do you think? Oh, hell no. Not even close. No. Okay. Hell no. I, Kimba's not as good of a player as Darren Williams was then. There was a, at the point, at the point that the jazz traded, Darren Williams, he was still, I mean, the conversation with the Chris Paul, Darren Williams conversation was always kind of dumb because Chris Paul was always kind of better. But at that point, Darren Williams was still pretty damn good, like all-star level good. And Kemba is like, especially with the proliferation of point guards around the league, there's not a real need on for a lot of teams to have a, a point guard like him. He's still kind of size sufficient. He, he makes up for it with like a lot of different ways. He plays defense and, and stuff like that, but he's not... He's not a guy that I would give up any real foundational assets for, to be honest. I think he's fine, but I don't think I'm going to win a championship with Kemba Walker as my second or third best player, to be honest. It's so tough because I love Kemba, but I also don't know where the right place is for him. But I feel like at a certain point, the Hornets kind of have to go back to the lottery. But then at the same time, they're one of the most unlucky teams in the last decade in the lottery. Like they were one pick away from Anthony Davis and it ended up being Michael Kidd Gilchrist, which has not worked out. <laughs> I mean, and they did everything they could to get AD and they got MKG. And I, I would understand their hesitation towards going back into the lottery life and selling off all of their assets and just trying their hand at it again. But then again, could it be just as bad as it was before? Like kind of like the magic where it's just like their unlucky nature. Could it, eventually finally the odds go in their favor where if they do sell off and they do jump into the lottery this year that they could end up with a top five guy who actually would move the needle but then again look at the east like the bulls and the hawks are not going anywhere they are all in on the tank and then uh the kings have a let me look minus 170 billion point differential right now that's actually the the exact analysis and then the map suck I mean, the Grizzlies got to look at trading Gasol at this point and even and Conley. I wouldn't do it. No, no, no. I disagree there. If I'm the Grizzlies, I am hoarding Conley and Gasol for the rest of the year. They're not playing another game. Like, they're 9-20 run right now. They're not making the Western Conference playoffs. Just go ahead and hoard them. Just like you're not playing again this year. (laughs) And we're going to get our pick. And they're going to get like a top. If they get a top five pick with Conley and Gasol next year. That's huge. Marcus Gasol might murder somebody if they set him down. <laughs> he sat one fourth quarter and got David Fisdale fired. <laughs> like, That's true. Like, but I mean, if you're Gasol, you're like, well, I'm frustrated. Well, you know what? Get Luka Doncic or somebody 
next summer. Like, do whatever you can to just, like, kind of have this one-year blip where you can get a superstar in the draft. Like, if the Grizzlies look into a top-five pick, this year has been a huge success for them because the Chandler Parsons situation has not worked out. The Wayne Selden starting two-guard situation has not worked out, and they have Andrew Harrison playing way too many minutes, and they just – it's a weird roster – um, but yeah, I just, I feel like that's a huge win. I tweeted this out a couple weeks ago where I was just like, if they found a way to like have a top three bottom record in the West while also keeping Conley and Gasol, like, I feel like it's a huge win for them. I, okay. Here's the, here's what we're saying. The thing we got to go back to with Charlotte and conflating them with Memphis. This is why you don't sign dumbass contracts. Like this is why you don't give Nicholas Batum and, um, and Chandler Parsons max deals. This is what the big, uh, the worst part about the the cap boon was. You have D'Angelo Russell playing in Brooklyn now because the Lakers, for some god awful reason, decided Timothy Mozgov was worth sixty million dollars. Like, why why do you why do you do that? Like, who logically looked at this and thought that these contracts would ever end up being good? And this is where where piss poor management comes into play. And you look at these teams, and they're having to make they're having to piss off their good players. Because they made decisions that are stupid <laughs> in retrospect or didn't that looked instantly stupid at the time or give up young assets like the Lakers did. Yeah, it's not great. <laughs> but the Grizzlies don't have to do anything. They can just sit there. They can just be bad. They, they could, but they're, they're, they're risking alienating their best player, their two best players, actually. And then they're going to be in a situation where what's their ceiling now? What's their ceiling with... 30s Marcus Hull, 30s Mike Conley, and a a 19 year old player. What's their ceiling there? There's two completely different trajectories there. I think their ceiling is fun, which <laughs> is what you should be wanting in Memphis. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, Pat, like Marcus Hull's fun no matter what. Like you could, yeah, throw him, you could throw him around like three dudes at a YMCA league, and he's gonna have some fun throwing passes from the elbows. So I'm I'm down to watch him anytime. Like. Us pretending that like Conley, Doncic, and or like even if you substitute Doncic for like Michael Porter and Conley, I mean, uh, and Gasol, like that's still fun. Like it probably still can't. Like we need to go ahead and remove title conversation from like just yeah. all of our basketball conversation for the next couple of years. As long as Durant and Steph are on the same team, but it's just done. Like the best is like you get to participate in a trophy. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So if that's the case, then why not? Why not do that if you're the Grizzlies? I mean that's fair. It's a fair point. I, I mentally I can't like justify that because again, like I said, I'm tear down. Go go for it. I'm all team Bulls, team Hawks this year. Blow it up. Like let Zach Levine, whenever he comes back, score 26 a game and break out because I'm team Levine. Oh, excuse me, all the way because I think team he, Levine. Yes, I'm team Levine all the way. I've, oh no, I have been on his bandwagon. I'm like the last person on his island. I think he's going to be great. I think he's going to be like a, an actual good two-way player, and that's unfortunate. <laughs> it really is. But I there's just not many guys in the league, even now, who can stretch the floor like he does. Have his athleticism. If you can just get him well coached, like he he can be a player in the league. I just know that he can be a solid twenty. He can go twenty-five and five a night. I I just see it. Yeah, what's his plus? What's his best plus minus? Do you think he's actually any? Do you think he can actually be in anybody's core five? Oh yeah, I could def- really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I okay. don't think like, he's. They tried to shoehorn him into being a one in in Minnesota for way too long. He's a two. He's a secondary ball handler. A good sec. A good potentially good secondary ball handler. 
but someone who can like stretch the floor. He's athletic as hell near the rim. I mean, we got to see what he looks like after the knee injury, obviously. But he still averaged on 19, 3 and 3 last year. That's not bad. And he's 22. Like is he is he really that much worse than Devin Booker? That's a good question. Like, I mean, that's going to like, we've already pissed off like 19 different fan bases on this podcast, but yeah, I guess Devin Booker is an interesting question. At J Tyler Conway. It's, it's fine. Send send an email (laughs) to me. It's fine. I got it. Good. Would you rather have Zach Levine or Devin Booker for the next five years? I'd rather have Devin Booker, but I'm, what I'm saying is they're not demonstrably different. Okay. Is what I'm saying. Like, I would agree. I think they're pretty close. I think it's actually a sneaky good comparison. It's it's one of those things where Booker's not a good defender. Booker's a terrible defender. Levine's mm-hmm. a terrible defender. Booker's 21. Levine's 22. Like, I mean, Booker's better right now, but he also had more opportunities on worse teams. So it's one of those situations where do I think that Levine could be going 24, 4 and 4 right now? Sure. I absolutely think that he could do that when he returns. I I mean I guess in this bull team anything's possible. Yeah, but <laughs> Booker's putting up those numbers on a god awful Suns team. So what are we? What are we? We're talking marketing semantics here because people are a little bit uh, over hyping Devin Booker and a little sleeping on Levine. It's one of those situations where I think that both of them are pretty good, but I think that I don't think it's- you know where Levine. I would like to see him. It, there's no possibility of it ever happening. I'd love to see him on the Thunder team. Oh, that's interesting. Like, if you replace him with Roberson in that final five, so if you have Westbrook, Levine, Mello, George, and Adams, I like that a lot more. That's interesting. I kind of like that too. I mean, Roberson's a Roberson's a mess offensively, just a complete utter mess. Like he's scared. I got so mad in that Sixers game where he had these backdoor just cuts where he would just find ways to score at the rim, and I would just lose my mind. I'm just like, this guy just finds ways to stay in this league and to find ways to score late in games. And it's just, he does just enough. He does just enough to still be a good guy, to a be good honest, player to have. Yeah. It just, it drives me nuts. Oklahoma city should surround their first like three or four rows of, of the stands with like hockey ice, just in case he <laughs> shoots the ball a little too far off when on one of these threes and kills somebody. I'd really think it's a liability issue, but he, he does, and he's a hell of a defender. Like, we're, we're going to talk shit a little bit here, but, like, he's a hell of a defender. He's tough. He's tenacious. He's athletic. He's also just so sad to watch play basketball on the offensive end. It's just, he gets left open, and I just think of, like, how I play and just how people play. Like, the disrespect that Andre Robertson deals with on a <laughs> nightly basis is just that, that would pretty eat- impressive. Like sometimes people leave me open pickup too. Like I play point whenever I play pickup usually, and and I'm not a great shooter, so I know what it's like to shoot a lot of bricks and get pissed off at yourself. Don't get me wrong. So so like when I, people take a step back on me and I'm not even remotely any good compared to Roberson. Roberson would give me the buckets ten days ten days out of seven. But I'm what I'm looking at is like they're doing that at the NBA level. They're a professional basketball player is looking at another professional basketball player and saying. Go ahead, you take it, buddy. You're gonna miss, and he misses. It's, it, he misses the shot every time. It's sad. Yeah, it's it's not great. Um, so if you're Rich Cho and you're in Charlotte, what do you do with Kemba at the deadline this year? If you're because they're not a playoff team, it, uh, 
it's it would be stunning for the Nick Quest at this point. So if there's no shot at the playoffs, what do you do with Kemba? Because he's a free agent after next year. We should point out. Um, it, I would shop him. Obviously, I would. I'd be shopping him now. But if I can't, I would. If I can't get an offer, I like now. I'd wait to the summer and then wait for the money to dry up over the summer and try to trade him then. I would absolutely trade Kemba Walker one thousand percent. I'm doing everything I can to get the Clippers to buy in on Kemba. Interesting. That's- because the Clippers are kind of trapped because they just locked in Blake. They have DJ. But if you put Kemba there, like obviously he's not Chris Paul. But yeah. Kemba, Blake, and DJ is really fun. It's like ge- it's like generic Chris Paul. You you take one small baby point guard and replace him with a little other baby point guard who's just much worse in every single category. I think it makes sense. I, I think mean, Kimba on the Clippers makes sense. I don't think the Clippers are that bad. The thing is, I don't really, fully healthy, I don't think the Clippers are that bad. I don't think the roster construction is terrible. But Gallinari's played 11 games. Beverly's played 11 games. Blake's missed time. Like, um, Milos has only played five games now. I think Milos is good. I think Milos is fun. And When he plays. Yeah, when he plays. And this is a roster that probably could have won 45, 50 games if it would stay healthy. And been fun to watch every night. So they would have been a really good Kemba contender. And they might have they probably they probably could have been a four or five seed, I think, in, in the West had they stayed healthy. But now they're gonna be looking at the lottery and now they're gonna be looking at trading DJ, who isn't the same player without Chris Paul around. Where do you hope DJ ends up? <laughs> I run I, I kinda want him to end up in Dallas just for the sheer hell of it. <laughs> <laughs> Just, you spend way too much time on Twitter. I really do. <laughs> Says you and everyone in my life. <laughs> but um, int- like, hmm, I'm trying to look here and see what a fit is. It's Washington for me. Washington's good, and I like Portland too. Portland, yeah, that's another low key. Like Portland just has at least one or two moves to make. I mean, they're in the bottom half. Like, at some point, Portland's got to decide on what to do with McCollum and Lillard. Uh, that's another one where I'm just kind of like, eh. <laughs> like, that's that's a backcourt where I, I appreciate it, and they're fun as hell to watch. But where are you going with them? Probably nowhere. Like, you're probably losing in the first round every year unless you get a better player to surround them with. Because neither Damian Lillard nor C.J. McCollum is a title-contending, like, level player. They're in that general 45 win range and they're gonna make the playoffs i I would assume every year that they're together sucks because there's just nowhere there's nowhere to go yes and they're capped out too so what do you do you 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 win 45 games every year and (laughs) and cj mccollum becomes like a blazers legend and a player who's looked at revered in portland and kind of looked at as okay everywhere else that's just the reality terrible rapper reality but that's a really bad reality we just talked about fun the next few years we need to find fun teams that's a fun team i like watching portland play i think we all did like i've said on this podcast like they're my one of my favorite league pass teams like i love cj mccollum finding ways to get to the rim and his ridiculous shot motion and just finding ways to score buckets and just lillard being basically the west coast Kyrie irving like i'm here for that i enjoy watching portland play Shout out to McCollum for knocking out Duke, by the way, back in the day. <laughs> since we, since we haven't pissed off in fan sure. base in like five sure. minutes, <laughs> since we haven't pissed off fan base in like five minutes, let's add let's add Duke to it. It's there fine. you go. I, I've 
I'm regretting so much adding you on this podcast. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> Your subscribers are going to go way down. It's uh, um, how much are you buying the twenty-four and four Rockets being real contenders to the twenty-three and six Warriors right now? Ooh, are we talking contenders as in they can take them to six games in the Western Conference Finals, or is that they can actually beat the Warriors in a seven-game series in the Western Conference Finals? Hell no! Like no, I mean i i want i I want it to be a series. And they're playing out of their minds. They're fun as hell to watch. They're my favorite team to watch this year, especially now that Chris Paul's back, because Chris Paul is having probably more fun than he's ever had playing basketball right now. You can just tell it's it's infectious the way that he plays. He loves playing for D'Antoni. It's the first time in his career I think he's ever had a coach that's challenged him, I think, intellectually enough to get him to get out of his own ass and actually play a little bit up tempo instead of a dribble heavy shit that he loves to do so much. And I think that they're an interesting stylistic fit for against Golden State, to be honest. I think that they can definitely take them six games, maybe, maybe even seven because they can play that way. Cause Harden can pound the ball on the floor. Paul can pound the ball on the floor. And the success that the Cavs had against the, the Warriors a couple years ago was slowing the game down. Giving the ball to LeBron, pounding in inside. They have Capella, who's going to grab a lot of rebounds over Zaza or, or even Draymond whenever they go small. There's a lot of good here. There's just, when you have Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Draymond Green, and Clay Thompson on the same team, what the fuck is anyone supposed to do? <laughs> like, it's just, it's an impossible task. The, the Rockets would win, the, this Rockets team would win a championship, and I would say maybe. For the last decade, I don't know, maybe seven t- titles, six titles, maybe. I think, to be honest, I think they're really, really good, and I think that D'Antoni is going to be in a situation like he was with Phoenix, where he gets stuck with a team that's really, really good and really, really fun and falls just short again. Yeah, and it's just kind of one of those things where I think about what David Thorpe said on a podcast on the Basketball Friends not too long ago, where he's just like, "I wish people appreciated those mid two thousand Suns more of just like." consistently being fun and being the most fun team in the league with Nash and Amari and friends for years where it's like, yeah, they didn't get there. And obviously things happen where the, the bench situation kind of clouded whether or not they could ever be a title team, but like they're really fun for Phoenix fans for years. And it's like, I think that's kind of what Houston is where I just think they're wrong time for their situation where I just, it's fun. I think people kind of, because we're in December we want to talk ourselves into someone else other than the Warriors exactly. in the finals. But it's a lot of it's because Steph Curry's been out and, you know, maybe there's a little weakness there. But, like, if Steph and KD are on the court and Draymond's there and Clay's there and Andre's <laughs> there, it's just I'm not going any, I'm not going there. Like, I think the Rockets could make things fun. I think it can make a fun six game series, but like the idea that they really couldn't, a lot of it's going into like, well, there's a variance factor where it's like if the Rockets go off for two games of the seven and Chris Paul and James Harden each have their own games where they just lose their minds. It's like, sure, but like, I mean, they're squinting really, really hard and trying to form a sentence that makes any coherent sense. And you're just talking out of your ass, basically trying trying too hard to find reasons as and it sucks because we should be able to just enjoy the Rockets. Like the Rockets are just fun. Like PG Tucker at the five is just fun. Chris Paul playing off ball and just like telling James Harden, like I got you after hitting a game winning shot is fun. 
It's the, but that doesn't mean that they're title contenders. Like they're just I mean, like we have to figure out a okay. way to like have this conversation it's, without okay. losing our minds. It's, it's hard to say this. Okay, they are title contenders. They are absolutely title contenders. If one of no, the, they're not. No, if one of those four gets hurt, they're absolutely going to be. Delivered. Oh, great! Uh, yeah, injuries happen. Yes, injuries for happen. Sure. If one of those four get hurt, they're absolutely beating the Warriors. That that I'll say. That that I'll full stop say. But if the, if the Warriors are fully healthy and the Rockets are fully healthy and the Cavs are fully healthy. Guess who's winning? The damn Warriors. There are three teams that win a championship this year. Three teams total. That's it. No one else has a conversation. No one else gets to talk. That you're cute, Boston, but you lost your best player, who was Gordon Hayward and not Kyrie Irving. But that's a conversation for another time. But but there's three teams that have a legitimate chance of winning a, a, a title, and all and two of them are predicated on one of them getting a player hurt. The, it's not great. Steph, Steph's out, and the Warriors have won eight straight games. They have the best points point differential in the league. Like they're sco- they're putting up these ridiculous like cartoon stats without a dude who won back to back MVPs. Nick Young isn't Nick Young's fine. <laughs> like Nick Young's just having the time of his life hitting wide open threes right now. I just feel like because it's December, a lot of us just don't want to proclaim. They start the Warriors as champions, they start which is fine. Pachulia. It's a center in the, in the National, National Basketball Association. And they're going to win a championship again. Zaza. Like, why? <laughs> this, those four are so great. You don't even, like, Zaza is just wallpaper. He's just big seven-foot wallpaper. And it's, it's amazing. It's perfect. And they have Jordan Bell, who's going to have a big playoff moment and piss everyone off. I don't think I'd piss everybody off. I think we all kind of acknowledge that Jordan Bell is really good. And I think we all want him to piss off the Bulls front office. That's all it is. I think Jordan Bell has this extra boost by being the pick that was sold to the Warriors for Jerry Reinsdorf being cheap. I think he'll always have that on his shoulder. So he like has really benefited from the Bulls. Can you imagine what he would be doing right now in Chicago? I don't think it'd be anywhere near as impactful oh, as what he's doing in Golden State. It'd be miserable. Like Exactly. So it worked out. So like he doesn't need to be miserable and like angry at the Bulls. Like because whatever happened is basically changed the entire trajectory of his professional basketball oh, career. He doesn't need to be angry. He needs to be uh, he needs to kiss the Bulls ass every time he goes to Chicago. He needs Exactly. To like, yes. Thank you. He's learning how He's learning how to be a great basketball player. He's learning how to be unselfish. And he was already all of that at Oregon. He, and he does and he doesn't have to he can play within himself. He can just go swat a few shots, steal something, and then leave after like twelve minutes. And it's beautiful. I would agree. I I love Jordan Bell. Like <laughs> Jordan Bell I love this whole like rookie class. We don't really have time to talk about that, but like this whole rookie class is great. And the whole second year the rookie class was so bad last year. But they're so good as second year players this year. It's kind of baffling to me. It uh it's interesting. Like, but I don't think he's gonna like hit his ultimate peak until he like leaves the Warriors. I, th- I just don't think there's a place for him to get into that five anytime soon. He's he's gonna be their do everything Iggy replacement. You think so? Yeah. I, so I think the five with the Iggy replacement. Who's playing the three? I think he plays a four and then and they throw Draymond at the five. And they, so they I think him and Draymond can play together. Yeah, I do. I they're high energy, ridiculous humans, who hmm. I, I really do. I think that I, I want to see it, obviously, because there's obviously some logistical problems with having Bell on Bell and Draymond be on the floor together. But that's a lot of energy and defensive toughness to throw at somebody. Like if you have him, if you have Draymond, 
a more developed Jordan Bell, maybe two or three years down the line when he's 25. You have Durant, Curry, and Thompson. That's a that's a great defensive lineup. That's a like you have four players who can stretch the floor. That's that's a hell. You can trap. You can switch everything. That's a hard team. To, that's a hard team to play with. That's fair. So who do you like watching this year? Oh, I mean, I love the Sixers. Obviously, okay. Like I, I don't they're think, fun. Yeah, <laughs> they're they're not gonna do anything other than maybe make be the eight or the seven seed, but. They're a hell of a lot of fun, and I just pray that like Joel Embiid stays healthy and Ben Simmons stays healthy, and we can just have fun with them because I love I, he's gonna screw up eventually, and he's gonna become a he's gonna pull a Durant and do some stupid shit on social media, and he, and then he's gonna walk it back because the summer of KD talking shit on Twitter was amazing, it was perfect, it was the best part of the NBA summer by far. And then he had to go and expose himself as a like kind of weirdo who has secondary accounts. But <laughs> but JoJo talks shit on social media, and he's straddling the line between like actually talking shit and being fun. And the the moment that he like becomes too big of a star to do that, or becomes or makes a mistake or says the wrong thing and actually gets criticized for it, is going to be a really sad day for everybody. Because watching him play and then like the exuberance that he plays with and the exuberance that he brings to social media, that's a that's a star. Like that's that's a foundational NBA star that they have in Philly right now. If he stays healthy. I'm so excited Mario Hazonia <laughs> has come to life in Orlando. Mario <laughs> Speaking of someone who spends too much time on Twitter, like he was he was the Twitter darling a few years ago. Like, I, I know he was my Twitter darling and he's back <laughs> and I get to just kind of jump back into my Mario Hazonia hive and like he's cutting like his cuts are great. He's he, it's everything that I ever wanted. Go, like go to go to his go to his ESPN profile page real quick. The, why? <laughs> just why? look at his face. Why? The soul just looks sucked out of his eyes. He looks so sad. <laughs> he just like. Well, that's, I mean, every lottery pick in Orlando for the last couple of years has felt the like, same way. He just, he looks like all of the life has been sucked out of his body. And I'm just hoping for him to, like, come back. That, that 31 point outburst, or no, 28 point outburst on Sunday was great. And if he can actually become, like, a serviceable player, he can be, he can be some shit talking fun, too. He looks serious. He looks fine. He's grown into his, he's, he's 22. He's grown into everything. <laughs> he's, he's got a serious face. He's got he's got a whole serious face going. He does. He's I mean, got hey man. He's got the he's, he's, got, he's got the face going right now that you take whenever you're like sixteen or like you're getting your second driver's license. So what would you be twenty? You're getting your second driver's license, so you're kind of trying to be a hard ass in your picture. You don't want to smile, so you just like have that straight face. <laughs> I don't give. I, I really don't care because he went twenty six, twenty eight, six and two, eight for twelve from three at Detroit. It oh. was a loss. But you know what? In the last four games, he's played 31 minutes, 21 minutes, 35 minutes, and 31 minutes. He's back in the rotation. He's a heavy rotation guy. Frank Vogel is calling on him to save his job in Orlando as Orlando has fallen off a cliff from that early hot start. And, you know, Hazonia's doing everything he can. He's having games where he's like 17, 9, 4. You know, Hazonia, he's there when speaking, Frank Vogel needs him. Speaking of crazy, I love the Pacers mm-hmm. this year. I love the Pacers. I don't believe you. How many games have you watched of the Pacers? Oh, like five. 
You watched five full Pacers games. Five full this year. Pacers games. Yeah, I, I believe I think the number's five or six. I love Lance. I've watched two. I will go ahead and say I've watched two. I love Lance and Oladipo is fast. Lance has been terrible, by the way. Can Lance you go ahead and say he's been no, terrible. No, he's not. Lance has been he's good terrible. Late. Lance has been good lately. No, Lance starts the season terrible, but Lance has been fine lately. Okay. Lance has been fine. Look, okay, December numbers. Lance is eight, five, and three with forty-five percent shooting. How many minutes is he playing? Twenty-three. Okay. That's Lance. Like, what's his it, plus minus? Oh, I don't. Have, <laughs> I don't have, listen, and in in the month of in in November, he shot fifty three percent from the floor. He averaged right. nine, six, and three. Lance, I love Lance. He's one hundred two per hundred possessions, offensive, and one hundred nine defensive. So he's like minus seven right now. Okay, fine. Maybe he's not that good. <laughs> but, Lance is not good. I'm okay. sorry. I enjoy Lance as a human being and as a basketball player, but he is bad. <laughs> Okay, maybe I just love watching him a little too much. Maybe the fuckery just gives me way too much happiness, and I just kind of give him a pass. But, oh, man, his on-off is worse than I actually thought it was. <laughs> but Oladipo's been great. I, I, I mean, I'm kind of mad at myself because I loved Oladipo in that draft. I loved him. I thought I thought he should have been the number one pick. I was just flabbergasted that he wasn't. And then I was I, then I watched him in Orlando. Then I watched him in OKC last year, and it was just he just plateaued. He was good as a rookie, but like he never got any better. He just—I don't know what it was about coming back to Indiana that like rejuvenated him. But he's built completely different. He's shooting the ball better than he ever has. I—I mean, there's obviously a bit of difference between knowing you're the star of the team and being Russell Westbrook's third or fourth, second or third player, and but. He's a completely different player, and he's a lot of fun. He's not like a foundational star, but they're a lot of fun to watch. They play up tempo. Miles Turner's good. Demonte Sabonis is good. Like who knew? Because he was awful too. He's another one of those second year guys. Like he was another one of those second year guys who was just terrible anytime he'd gone on the floor last year. It was just miserable to watch. But he's good at the five. Yeah, and he was, and he's like averaging twelve and eight, and he can pass the ball. He works the ball around. Like what? What? The, Bogdanovich is averaging 14 t- points a game on this team. Like, oh, I'm here for Bogdanovich. Like, I was here for the the Jody Meeks inserted in for Bogdanovich replacement as a potential disaster in Washington. And I feel I feel pretty good about that right now. <laughs> like, the, I mean, that's not a bad that's not a bad theory to go with. I mean, but but the Pacers right now they're 17 13. They're gonna make the playoffs, and no one. Do you? Are we sure? I'm, are we sure? I, I don't see them fall like the way that they play. There's yeah. one spot open. Like they could easily fall out. I'm you, not there yet with them. Okay. You watch a team play and you just see like I guess I've watched them enough this year. You see them have fun together and mm-hmm. enjoy playing together in a way that like you just know that they're gonna get their ass kicked mm-hmm. in, a, in a seven game series. But I see them like they could be a seven, they could be an eight. If they can lose- I think they're an eight seat, but like yeah. the Knicks are gonna be right there as long as KP is healthy. I which, think there are going to be multiple people there. Which, so I don't think they're they're guaranteed yet. I, call, I would hold off. The Wizards are the eight seed in the East as of right now. As we're recording, they are the eight seed. I mean, okay, well, that's not going to stay. Since I've been talking shit like on other other things and stuff, let me talk shit on myself for a second. What the fuck would, are the Knicks doing? Like how like how did how is Tim Hardaway Jr. good at basketball suddenly? How, how is Courtney Lee like having a month of his life last month? I, how how is this t- like? I mean, obviously Porzingis is the fulcrum around which the team is built, but oh, Beasley, what 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 is? How is this team of misfits like sixteen or thirteen? 
I don't understand it at all. KP is really good. Courtney Lee is a great veteran. Frank Nilakina is a pretty good rookie. Tim Hardaway Jr. has been league for a while. He's figured out what he's good at. He's not a good defender, but he's going to make threes. He has no conscience. I think Ennis Cantor knows what he's good at. Like it's a it's a hodgepodge of dudes who know what they can do. Yeah, and but no one. If you would have told, okay, if you would put the over under on thirty wins on this next team coming in the season, what would you affect? Under. Yeah, exactly. And they're probably going to win 40, 45 games. I don't think so. I think they're still going under. <laughs> you, you still think you're going to go under 30? I do. Oh, I think something's uh, going to happen. This oh. is too, Everything's going too well in New York. Man. Oh, wow. You're going to have some people hating you now, finally. So, <laughs> Things I mean, are going too well. They're 16 and 13 as we're recording okay, this. Like, the, that's not happening. They're not finishing three games over fine, okay, 500. The, the, big, the big thing is they're so much better at home than they are on the road. They're yes. two. And, they're two and eight in the road. That's so. One, if they miss KP for like two months. Oh, they fall if, off a cliff, right? If they, like for, if they miss it for two weeks, two or three weeks, they're gonna. They're probably gonna lose set, seven, eight games, and then they're done. That's what I'm that, saying. Like they are literally a KP, like just a mild injury away from just falling off a cliff. But, but this whole like list of teams from the four to the ten in the East are just so interchangeable. Mm-hmm. It's like I mean, Detroit's fine. I mean you. Andre Drummond, wow, everyone really, really, really got all in on that Andre Drummond becoming a superstar thing real quick, and that's kind of quieted down. I mean, he can kind of shoot free throws now. I mean, he can shoot 62%, but still averaging 14 and 15. Solid Andre Drummond season. Congrats. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I, I don't really see anything there. I, I, Jason Kidd wow. is a fucking confounding human. Oh my goodness! Just going <laughs> off. <laughs> I mean, well, who would you not like to light on fire in this podcast? <laughs> um, I like, I like Embiid. We 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 were discussing okay. this. I like Embiid. Yeah. I like the Rockets. I like D'Antoni. I like Jordan mm-hmm. Bell. Uh, shit. Uh, I I like children singing holiday songs. I don't know. Puppies. Puppies are great. Uh, okay. <laughs> I, so I, you I, are human. Yeah, I mean, I like dogs. There, there we go. <laughs> We we've established that I I do have a weak spot. It is dogs. Wow, <laughs> the one and only weak spot. <laughs> what a podcast! <laughs> some there there's NBA talking here somewhere. I'm sure. I think we talked about Kemba at some point. We talked about <laughs> KP. I think we talked about the Rockets and the Warriors at some point too. Yeah, and oh, I also love Boogie. Shout out to Boogie. Shouts to Boogie for being first team All NBA. No, no, no. <laughs> no. He's stop. not even the best player on his team. This needs to stop. Like, AD is the best. Like, he is still putting up the best numbers at the four of anyone in the league. Yeah, I think he still, as of this recording, is number one in real plus minus at the four of anyone this year. I, I don't like this. I don't like that, like, Boogie is exceeding expectations next to AD. So that means we overlook AD and what his impact is on oh, the no. Pelicans team. AD is still very clearly the best player in the Pelicans. Oh, okay. And if you would take cousin, Cousins over AD... No, 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 that's 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 a correct opinion. But shouts to Boogie. Shouts no, to Boogie. no more shouts out to Boogie because AD does not get enough shout outs. So well, I'm gonna go ahead and put a stand on this podcast that this idea that like we keep talking about AD. I mean, I'm talking about Boogie over AD needs to stop. No, because AD is still the best player on that team by a very very heavy margin. Okay, Cousins right now is averaging 26 and wait, where's it at? Okay, he's averaging 26, 12. And five assists. Okay, I even watered this stat down. Watered this stat down. 
the, the players that averaged 25, 10, and 5 in history, Wilt Chamberlain, Kareem, Oscar, Bird, uh, Elgin Baylor, Chuck, and Russ. That's the list. NBA. I love I, I love DeMarcus Cousins. I, I, I'm not like anti-DeMarcus Cousins. But the idea that we're talking about him over Anthony Davis is insane to me. No, no, I'm not talking about that. Uh, people talk about, no, 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 no. I'm giving shots to Boogie because I love AD Boogie. AD has an offensive, real, like he has the best offensive rating right now of his entire career. 123 points per 100 possessions. And a defensive rating, 106 points per 100 possessions. He's averaging, <laughs> God, like his numbers are just insane. Like per hundred possessions, he's averaging 34, 14, three, and he's averaging three blocks in this time period. Like it's just Anthony Davis is amazing. He's shooting 35% from three in all of this. Like I'm just, I'm just so happy for Boogie because he had to be miserable in that cesspool in Sacramento for so long and be the scapegoat. 80 is a plus everything. 13. What is Boogie in that lineup? Cause he's 80 is a plus 13 when he, when he's on the floor. For them, he is an on-off of plus thirteen on New Orleans. Okay, fine. AD is the best player. You're not. Yes, that's what I want. I just want people to like stop this nonsense with Cousins. Like he's great. He's fine. But AD is still a franchise player. Cousins is not a franchise player. Let's just go into that. No, Cousins franchise player. He's not a franchise player. Cousins absolutely. I would absolutely. Okay, get, let's play a little quick game then. This. Okay, yes, get, give me. Okay, give me list of players. And I'll tell you who. I, and I'll play them or Boogie. Paul George, boogie. I'm I'm already done with this conversation. You just you just ended it. You just ended it. What do you mean boogie over Paul George? Boogie, absolutely. It, Paul George. Okay, first of all, Paul George is pussyfooting around in Oklahoma City this year with this. All right, like, I'm already angry. I'm already getting angry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> LeBron. <laughs> Come on. I'm not taking yeah, exactly. That's I'm not taking Kevin Durant, Steph Curry. Come on. Exactly. Um, KP. Right now or future? Over the next three years, if you could pick cool. any idea to have for the next three years, KP or Boogie. That that's tough. Like Boogie is so. If you wouldn't take KP, I just. Oh, I I would take KP, but I really really it's close. Uh, James Harden. Oh, James Harden, absolutely. Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook. Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard. Kyle Lowry. Oh, Jesus. I'm taking Cousins. I'm taking Kyle Lowry. No question. I'm here for Kyle Lowry for the end of times. Ben Simmons. Ooh. It's Ben Simmons, by oh, the it's, way. Oh, it's Ben Simmons over the next three years because Ben mm-hmm. Simmons is already a star and he's a rookie. Ben Simmons is probably going to be one of the three or four best players in the league in, I don't know. Giannis. Four. Oh, Giannis. Absolutely. John Wall. John Wall. Barely, but John Wall. Jimmy that. Butler. Cousins. Ooh, wrong again. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Blake Griffin. Cousins. Oh, no. I don't that that actually really hurt me because I'm like the president of the Blake Griffin I, I love Blake. Club. I, I grew up a Clippers fan. I, I love Blake, but I don't trust his knees. I, I, don't, I don't trust him to stay healthy. I trust Bogey to stay healthy. Damian Lillard. Uh, Bogey. Mm. We're nearing the end here. Marcus Hall. Next three years, Boogie. Now, Mark. Aaron Gordon. What? Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon? Mm-hmm. The, the, the basketball player for the Orlando Magic? Yes. Oh, DeMarcus Cousins. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I love Aaron Gordon, too. Jokic. 
Jokic. But that's just because he's – I feel like everyone on basketball Twitter would actually disown me if I didn't pick Jokic because that's – I don't know. The, I feel like that's a, like a, actually a really interesting argument. People have been really angry about both sides of that, if uh, like thinking that Jokic is better and then there are people that like are adamant that Cousins is better than Jokic. Jokic is like – Jokic is a basketball Twitter circle jerk. <laughs> it's like it's just what it is. What it is. I mean, he's very, 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 very good, and he's obviously going to be like he's obviously this generation's Gasol. He's just that's what it, he's going. He's going to be this generation. Mm. I don't know how I feel about that. You, you I think he's better than that. You think he's better? I hope he's better. I hope he, I hope he has a better like career. Pau Gasol is really, really good. Career. Pau Gasol is really, really good, and he's been really, really good for a long time. I mean, Pau yeah. is what thirty eight years old, thirty nine. I think he's actually sixty three. Oh well, that's. I mean, he looks it. So yeah, he does a <laughs> he he really handles his body really well. <laughs> like, he look he looks like bef- the before picture of like of a funeral, like the before you put the makeup on. Mm, sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, you say so. <laughs> let's, let's just add. Let's just add that to the list. I'm actually going to delete all of this. All of this, it's going to be like a 15-minute podcast of everything I've had to delete because of today. <laughs> what a Monday podcast. This is supposed to be a holiday special, a happy time. And Merry- we're just the flaming takes. <laughs> happy holidays, everyone. Just you and yours. <laughs> yeah, Tyler Conway. Glad he can make it happen tonight. <laughs> uh, all right, man. Well, either way. I'm glad this happened. It's that a was a podcast. I enjoyed it. That was fun. Yeah. All right. Well, we can find you at J Tyler Conway on Twitter. We can read you at bleachreport.com. Is there anything you're working on this week during the Christmas holidays that we should look out for? Um, I just, uh, we, the NBA is actually launching the, uh, junior world championship starting next year. And I work with them on announcing that today. Um, that's up at bleacher report right now. Um, that they act, it's actually pretty cool. It's basically going to be the, uh, little league world series of basketball. So they're okay. they're gonna have uh, sixteen teams, both boys and girls divisions, uh, eight international, eight from the United States. Uh, it's gonna be pretty cool. Uh, they're gonna do it in Orlando at the ESPN uh, complex there, and um, it, uh, Tony, uh, not Tony Parker, Candace Parker, and Dwayne Wade are the global ambassadors for that. Nice. Okay, so look out for that. Um, all right, man. Well, I appreciate you taking the time, and uh, we'll have to do this again soon. For sure. If, all right. Thanks, Tyler. Thanks, man. All right, we're back on the Chase Thomas podcast, and I am joined by one of my favorite MLB writers, Nick Stellini. Nick, good evening. How are you, sir? I'm good. How are you? I'm good, man. It's been a few weeks. I talked to your pal, Evan Davis, last week. It was really fun. Um, he was talking as he was standing out in the cold in Hell's Kitchen. Um, that sounds like a typical Evan podcast location. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, because I feel like y'all podcast together before. So you're are you familiar with his, like, just being out in the elements as he's recording podcasts is that a, a normal he, thing for him he is a wanderer mm-hmm. um evan evan is a free spirit who will go where the wind takes him okay well it was fun it was a fun it was a change of pace um but yeah so you're writing at sporting news now you're writing at baseball prospectus you're editing at beyond the buck store but uh you know man a lot of crazy stuff is happening in baseball. Um, you know, the biggest thing I think more than anything else is the Braves just getting a hodgepodge of 
okay assets and Brandon McCarthy, who they've announced is going to like is a part of the 2018 plan in the rotation Um, for Matt Kemp. He's back in LA. What do you think about that? Um, so it's interesting. Um, like a couple people were saying this, like a pure, uh, you know, just a pure shuffling money around kind of thing. Alex Anthopoulos doing his boss, his old boss a favor. Um, I don't necessarily see that way. Um, cause like you said, uh, I mean, I think McCarthy's the real get here for, um, for the Braves. I mean, the, the, the get is getting Kemp off the roster and clearing space for Acuna. That's the real get yeah. there. Um, but like when he's healthy, Brandon McCarthy's a f- decent enough pitcher, um, and so that that's a good gamble to take if you're a team like the Braves, um, who just seen you know guys with pulses who can contribute quality innings, um, and McCarthy can certainly do that if he stays healthy. Um, but yeah, I, again, the the big the big thing here is clearing his best Ronald Cunha. I don't know if he's like the opening day right fielder, but he'll be there really damn quickly. Um, you know, there'll probably be some, you know, service time shenanigans there. They'll keep them down until the Super 2, whatever. Um, which sucks, but that's par for the course with baseball these days. Um, so Acuna has has space to play. Um, you know, Charlie Culberson's a decent enough, you know, guy to have on your 40-man roster. I mean, he's out of options. Um, so he'll probably break camp on the bench, but that, that's fine. Decent backup infielder, whatever. Um, Casimir, I mean, well, there were reports out there. He was throwing like what 84 or something. So, yeah. I mean, that, that, that's, that's taking on the money to be nice to make the deal work. Um, and for the Dodgers, I mean, I, I don't know if Kemp will be on the roster opening day. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if they, you know, package him with a prospect to get some team to take him off their hands. I mean, there's probably some AL team who would take a prospect in that camp to be their DH. Um, why not? Yeah, and I, I think it's interesting because it feels like the Dodgers still have like three or four moves to make this winter. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So it's like really hard to foresee what they're going to do with Kemp because we just don't really know what their end game is here. And I just feel like we're just waiting on the Dodgers to do like 19 other things. Like I said, like I just, it's hard to forecast what they're going to do with Kemp. I just, I don't really know. I, I mean, I, like I said, I mean, that, that was mostly just to get the bad money off their roster. Yeah. And, and Kemp is the price of doing business there. Um, and like I said, if they can find some sort of team to take him to be their DH or whatever, maybe you might have to, you know, package him with a prospect to make it, to make it work. Um, just to get him off the roster and the Dodgers have prospect coming out of their years. So that's fine. Uh, and, and, and if he breaks camp with them, so be it. I mean, they, I'm sure they would, they're prepared for that, for that possibility. Um, I don't know how much the Dodgers are really going to do. Cause I mean, obviously their lineup is pretty much set. They would probably want another starting pitcher, which is a depth option. I don't really know who that is at this point. Um, because yeah. I mean, I mean, I think they're focusing. I mean, a big part of this trade was getting money off the roster to focus for next offseason when when all the when all the fun stuff comes up comes off the books, mm-hmm. and you know they can go look at Harper or Machado or whoever. Um, and also, you know, Clayton Kershaw is going to need to get paid if if, if that's going to be a thing because I think his opt out is after this year. Um, so there's that there's that to to deal with as well. Um, so so they need they need some some pocket change. And that and that's really what this trade is about. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they went out and got somebody in the vein of 
And I'm looking at a list of free agents here. I mean, I don't think they're going to be the guys to bring back Darvish. I don't think they're the best. Darvish is definitely going somewhere else. And we're going to talk about that in this podcast. But I I don't think he's back in L.A. Like, if they want to go get... um, It's tough because they don't really have that many holes. No, like, but like, like just like another starter. Yeah. Um, like if they want to like try and bet on Trevor Cahill's bounce back last year, maybe they want to get Jaime Garcia, something like that. Um, you know, uh, but yet they were rumored uh, to be like, things could have really changed if Stanton was like, if the Marlins were like, all right, we're going to deal with the daughters instead of the Yankees. Like, well, the the Yankees swooped in. I mean, I, I mean, Brian Cashman did a job. He he's really good at this for a reason. How are you feeling about that right now? I why like see so here's the thing. It's, first of all, there's a number of things here. It's really cute when Yankees fans gripe about money. Mm-hmm. I always find that to be really adorable. Um, there are people out there who are like, oh, he doesn't fit on the roster. They already got Aaron Judge, you know. And now there's this weird dynamic of those who's going to play where. Like, okay, <laughs> Giancarlo Stanton literally just won an MVP award. Mm-hmm. And you're saying no to the reigning MVP, just literally like parachuting into your lap. You're gonna say <laughs> like you're no. You're not putting any of this bill. Like you're like, why are you worried about the money with this? It's yeah. It's why are you worried about the money? It's not your money. And again, he's the MVP. Glyber Torres is not going to Miami. It's fine. Like I don't understand. Like no, and, and like, <laughs> like yeah, they have to take out all the money, but like. That's fine, because even if you want to get really worked up about the luxury tax, which, by the way, we should start calling the luxury tax a salary cap, because that's what it is. Let, let's just all be honest with ourselves. Okay. It's basically a salary cap. Um, if you're going to get really worried, worked up about the cap, they manipulated the money in a way that it works. He's They're fine. They actually have some room to play with for this offseason, and God knows what they're going to do next, next winter when they'll sign either Machado or Harper. Um so that's fine. There's nothing wrong here. Um, yeah, this is going to be a very good team. Um, just, you know, newsflash, the Yankees are going to be good. Um, I yeah, feel they're, bad for they're... the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays are in just per- – like we make jokes about the Orioles, and you and I have had a fun-running joke of like what to make of the Orioles. But like the Blue Jays are in this just terrible position, I feel like, where – they're they're okay. I mean, they um, have to trade Donaldson, but they're not going to. Like, I was listening to uh, Buster Only's latest podcast, and he was talking with Keith Law about it. And basically, everything everybody that Only's talked to has indicated that the Blue Jays have no interest in training Donaldson because they want to show their fans that they're going to try this year. But it's like there's no path to competition in the ALEs. Like the Yankees getting Stan, and then the Red Sox probably end up with Jading Martinez is just it just kind of screws the Blue Jays. Like, I don't know what they do. I think Donaldson probably gets moved to the deadline. Okay. Um, I mean, cause I, I just, I can't see them competing and they'll see the writing on the wall. Like, and I know, don't either. Yeah. I mean, I think they have to make a token effort for reasons beyond understanding, I guess. Um, because like they, they always draw well. Like the Blue Jays actually led the league in, in attendance this year, I think. Um, like they draw very well. Like they put butts in seats, and so if they're gonna, you know, line their coffers for a little bit, um, in anticipation of the bonanza next year, um, keeping Donaldson's one way to do that. I, I, like and this is gonna, even if they traded Donaldson, um, like this is a kind of a reset year for them. Like yeah, let's love Donaldson. Justin Smoke got good. Um, you know, you know, Tulo. I don't know what to make of Tulo at this point. Um, 
But like, you know, assuming Strowman and Sanchez are healthy, like that's a really good one too. Um their bullpen isn't abysmal. Um and they're gonna get Vladito and uh Bobachette soon. And they'll be good soon, I think. Uh between those two guys. Um they've got some other prospects in like they they're they're an interesting farm. Um I mean a lot like the guy Anthony Alford too. Um a lot rides on Vladito and Bobachette you know, coming up and succeeding when they do. But they've got time to wait on those guys because, like, I mean, you may as well punt this year even if you don't trade Donaldson. Um, but if you're playing this year, wouldn't you still trade Donaldson? For right. I mean, I, I, I personally would be trading Josh Donaldson right now, um, especially, you know, if you could present him as a, okay, you missed out on Manny Machado, who might get traded this winter. Do you want Josh Donaldson instead? Um yeah. Like and since like the beginning of the offseason, I've been banging the Donaldson to St. Louis drum, um, mm-hmm. just because it makes so much sense to me, and I think that's still doable even after they traded for Azuna. What do you um, think makes more sense for the Cardinals, um, Donaldson or Machado? I mean, I don't think you're extending either of those guys, um, because Donaldson's a free agent after this year too. I think. Um, yes. So yeah, so I don't I don't think you're extending either of those guys. I think that, I mean, obviously Machado is a better player, but I mean, you might be, you know, let's say Donaldson has a full healthy year. I think the difference there isn't huge, and Donaldson probably costs less. Um, so yeah, why not sure. go get Josh Donaldson? Yeah, and I think there's at least a possibility that he would resign in St. Louis. I don't think there's any chance. Yeah, I, I agree. Would resign. Uh, I mean, St. Louis seems like a, a place that Josh Donaldson would want to be. Mm. Um, so I, I, I think you've got a much better side. Just better chance just everything in the NL this year. Like if Donaldson goes to the Cardinals with Ozuna and everybody else, like it just, the Cardinals suddenly are I'm a not re- I would problem. Not, I wouldn't be ready to anoint them just yet because I'm not crazy about their pitching, mm. um, which is a weird thing to say about the Cardinals. But yeah, I just, I just don't see the pitching right now. Um, if they got Donaldson, do you think you'd favor them between the central over the Cubs? No. Okay. Um, they still have too many holes, but they'd be a lot better. Obviously. I think um, the Cubs are going to know about Darvish by the way. You might. Yeah. I'm starting to inch closer and closer to that. That we're inching towards this reality that you Darvish is going to be a cub. Yeah. I, I would need to see the Cardinals, you know, like let's say they get Donaldson. I would need them to go get like Alex Cobb mm-hmm. and I really start buying in jake arietta seems like a cardinal to me i don't know about that they have some they're gonna get somebody at the i, end of I don't feel like st louis is gonna sign a 30 32 year old starting pitcher and that's possible. to to a big to the money that arietta is gonna want they're gonna sign a starting pitcher though it's sure but, I, but I, I don't know that they're gonna hand out that much to a guy who's 32 how much do you think arietta is gonna get this offseason uh I mean, I'm really bad at predicting pitching in this market. Like, like what we've seen them from this offseason, it just seems like just legitimate relief help is just a priority for so many contenders. That like, well, it, it's weird because you've got this, you know, this, this, the luxury tax is even eviler now. It, it, it's so much stronger now. You've got people toward everybody's trying to save money for next winter. Um, so like, you've got like some good players out there, but nobody really wants to spend money right now unless they have to. Yeah. Um. So I mean, I think this 
this slow off season is going to continue to like February. Oh no! Or uh, the leagues gonna be like, okay, guys, you have to sign players now. <laughs> they just kind of hint, hint, nudge, nudge situation where like you you've got to do something at some point. Like we're yeah. we're almost to spring training. I need you guys to go ahead and sign Jake Garriott at some point. That'd like, be great. You can't have Eric Hosmer <laughs> and Mike Mustakas both being free agents in February when camp's at the startup. Like yeah. you can't have that. Um. My Masakis might not be signed with the Braves until March. It's a possibility. Is that who you think they're going to get? I uh, on this podcast, you and I have talked about this. That I feel like Mike Mustakis has been like the most future Brave of all time. Like that dude is going to be the third uh, for the Braves this year. It's going to happen. Maybe, I, I, I could see that actually. That, I mean, you think they're going to they're going to punt the draft picks? Yes, I think the Braves are about to go towards a like they've with the Capolella stuff. They're about to like look at the writing on the wall, and I think Alex Anthropolis is going to start buying. No, he, he's been aggressive. He's been an aggressive guy in the past, and I think I, he's I would... going to be aggressive. I think he's going to realize that like we can't like because there is no international spending anytime soon. That they're just going to start going all in. I, I'm yeah, very I mean, much here for the Braves going I, all in. I would not hate that move. I, I would not. I would not hate that. Um, I actually would kind of like that. And I think they know that like. It's a weird situation then at least because the Marlins are obviously, and this is a good way of like transitioning my next question about the Marlins, but the Marlins are going the opposite way. The Phillies are like kind of going all in on Machado and Harper and guys like that, but we still don't really know because their rebuild's going not well. <laughs> the Mets, obviously very not, very, very troublesome at this point. And then the Nationals is just kind of like we're waiting for them to fall off because they're, if Harper leaves, like who knows what they're looking like after next year. I'm- not sold that Harper is definitely a goner. Yeah, I mean the Yankees getting Stanton's a huge boon to them, right? Well, here's the thing: like, you can have Bryce Harper play center for a couple of years if if you really have to. I, I don't think that Stanton takes them out on Harper. Um, have you listened to Chelsea James talk about Harper's situation? I have not, which I should I should be doing though. So her thinking with Harper is that he is really she doesn't know where his head's at, but from her indication it seems like he is drawn to the Chicago's and the LA's that he is interested in going to a market that is an instant contender wherever he goes. That like he right. knows he has a 99% chance of making the world series. Like he wants and, to be. And, a, and frankly, yeah. as he should. Yeah. So I think that's a huge thing. And if he, after this year, if they don't make it to the world series, like I don't think there's any chance he's back in Washington, no matter what they offer him. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like, it might take like a World Series appearance. That's what I'm to saying. Like, I think it is a World Series, but like, I'm not, I'm not like discounting that either. Um, like, because like, wa- like Washington is clearly built to win for a while. Yeah. Um, I think that maybe Daniel Murphy would have to resign first before he signs with Washington because Murphy's going to be a free agent this winter too, mm-hmm. uh, next winter. Um, but like, I mean, the Cubs, like, I, I my thing right now is just, I, I agree. The Cubs are probably the number one contenders right now uh for bryce harper um and i don't know what what they're I mean, again let's just call it what is what their cap room situation looks like um it's gonna be hard to can, afford him and chris bryant well that and then if they sign darvish and and, yeah. and, and so i i don't they would have to move them some things around possibly I mean, and and really Leo like, can do that like if they if yes. if Harper comes to them is like I want to come to play for Chicago they're gonna find a way around this they're they're yes. gonna figure it out 
That or they'll just say screw it and go over the tax because Bryce yes. Harper's worth that. <laughs> yeah, you're not um, saying no to Bryce Harper next summer. I mean, next winter, if that if it comes to that. So I, I, the Cubs make the most sense to me. Um, the Dodgers, obviously, are the Dodgers. They'll do what they want. But again, they have to re-sign Kershaw, maybe, if they want to do that. Yeah. And if they don't re-sign Kershaw, they need an ace. Um, which, again, which they will do one way or another because they have the prospects to trade for a guy like that. They have the money, whatever. Um, but they have the Kershaw situation to sort out. So I think the Cubs make the most sense for Harper. Um, I mean, I, and then, you know, you, you can say, okay, then Machado goes to the Yankees, which on one hand, they, I mean, again, you're not going to say no to Manny Machado, but he also supposedly wants to play shortstop. Um, I think Machado Yankees, is going to the White Sox, by the way. I think that's where he ends up. I wouldn't be surprised by that. I would not be surprised with that at all. I think people are really not looking at the White Sox enough. I think their farm system is obviously built. They had the same kind of haul that the Yankees kind of pulled off for Andrew Miller and um, Cespedes. And, I mean, not Cespedes, um, uh, Chapman. And I think the White Sox – I don't think Reisdorf is going to be in a five-year rebuild mode. I think that they're looking to get back into contention sooner rather than later. The L Central is going to be opened up very quickly because i think the indians are in like last couple of years of their run and i don't i don't it depends on how much you believe in the twins rise i guess but i i, I don't know what to do with the twins i, I kind of the twins were interesting to me yeah um because like a bunch of their guys just randomly started hitting last summer um like in the middle of the summer they just started hitting and if that continues then they're a very interesting team and if that doesn't happen then they're just the twins again um the, their farm system is definitely not what it once was but again if those guys keep hitting and, you know, Miguel Sano is, like, a guy, um, then it gets fun. I still think they need, like, a pitcher. But, yeah, the, I, I, I don't. You. Like, Abby, I don't know if you saw those reports from, like, uh, their beat writer who's talking about, like. Like, they should be, like, yeah. crazy hit on Darvish. But, again, that involves them spending money. I don't know if the Twins are going to do that. Yeah. Um, but like, they should be, like, just makes so much sense in Chicago. And I think oh, he if you're does. Baltimore, like that's who you're talking to. Like, you're like, oh yeah, like this farm system is the exact kind of farm system we want to talk to for Machado. Like he exactly. Chicago is a team that they should be talking to. And even if they don't get him like now, I would think they're threats to sign him in a year. Mm-hmm. I would agree. I think it makes too much sense. And I wonder if it happens, but at the same time, if you're Baltimore, do you end up trading your 24-year-old who ESPN anointed as the best young star in baseball just a year ago? Do you trade him? Do you really not try and re-sign him? That's a tough sell. You should. If I'm Baltimore, I mean, it's tough, man. Like, if I was the general manager, if I am in their shoes right now, I think it's a lot more difficult. I think Dan Duquette is in a troublesome situation because it's hard to find guys like Machado. Here's my thing. I cannot safely say that Baltimore is a rationally acting franchise right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I, I've ragged on the Orioles a lot on this <laughs> yes. podcast. A lot of it has been in humor. How mad would you have gotten last year if the Orioles had actually risen from the dead and made one of the wild card spots? I would have been so mad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so mad. Oh yeah. So back to what you were saying about the Orioles. So, so like with with the Orioles, like they've been trading away all their international bonus money. They 
I, I, I don't know like what their like their finances situation is necessarily, but like we've seen their approach to signing pitchers and guys and stuff. Um, like John John Bernhardt on talked about this a lot on Twitter, where the Orioles just do things that don't make sense. Um, and I mean, I think we can safely say their window is closed, right? Like that's that's gone and passed. Um, Adam yeah. Jones is not like a star anymore. Um, their pitching is like especially Orioles-y right now, even with Ubaldo hitting free agency. Um, yes, they have Zach Britton and Brad Rock and Darren O'Day. They always have a good bullpen, but like they have a good bullpen. They have Manny Machado. Do we know if Tim Beckham can still hit 300 or not after he did it for a month and a half last year? Um, the Trumbo contract is disaster. Um, I mean, Jonathan Scope turned into a really, really good player, but like, until you have starting pitcher that doesn't make you want to vomit, that's not going to be a thing. And they've shown themselves to be relatively unable of developing pitching. Um, like Bundy randomly turning into a mid rotation start last year was a miracle, um, which is awesome to see. Cause I've always wanted Dylan Bundy to be good, but you know, Kevin Gossman, took a big step back. And then the rest of the rotation right now is guys you've never heard of. Um, Austin Hayes came up and looked interesting, but like it's depending on who you talk to in terms of player evaluation stuff, that Hayes might just be a regular average outfielder and not a star. Um, you know, you know, chances go is interesting, but like, I, I, I don't see it here, especially with what the Yankees have done. And we know Boston's probably going to do something. Um, so I, I just don't see a path to contention for them. And do you want to have manage how to sit around for a year and maybe maybe a trip at the deadline if things go south or we can just get a lot from now? Um, I don't think there's a right answer here. I think it's ambiguous and I think it's one where I could understand both sides. No matter what Duquette ends up doing, I can understand it. I mean, my thing is like, do you like? I don't see them being able to re-sign Machado. So we don't know though. We just don't know. There's a path for them to... If they can pay Chris Davis, they can pay Manny Machado. It depends whether or not Manny Machado wants to be in Baltimore, I think, more than the money. Because I think if if he's willing to accept the money that Baltimore is offering, then I think he would stay in Baltimore. I think it might just be more of like Machado wanting to go somewhere he can win. Yeah, I, I guess. Which is why um, the Yankees is loom, are looming there. And I think that's part of the the sense of urgency with Baltimore is like, they don't want him to sign with the Yankees outright next winter, which is a possibility. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know what they do. Um, what do you think the Marlins do with Christian Yelich, who is unhappy and is apparently going to meet with <laughs> the Marlins front office if he can find them? Cause Jeter is just in NFL boxes. I don't know if Yelich has Jeter's number on speed dial, but if he does, I think he's, wanting to meet with them. I mean, he's sending emoji tweets. It's very passive aggressive. I don't think he he's hit, happy he, about what's going on in Miami. He can hit Jeter up for some hand sanitizer. <laughs> um, wow. Okay. So here, here's, here's what's happening in Miami. Um, and they did this in like the span of like three hours. Those doing it was great. Yeah. Um, they will say, we're not trading this guy. Oh no. Then they'll let it become public that the player is unhappy. Which, you know, shocker, the player is unhappy. Oh, well, if he's going to be such a eh, eh, about it, well, fine, we'll trade him, I guess. 
Um, like, like uh, what was the, the statement that Mike Hill put out today to Jerry Krasnick? It was basically that. I don't know off the top of my head, but I know what you're talking about. It was basically, well, we'll make a determination about the what's in the best interest of the franchise and yada, yada, yada. Um, basically, screw you. Um, and they're going to trade Yelich. I mean, they'll, they, they, they just, they, they really, here's the thing. They're, if, if you're like rebuilding for the very first time in a while, you keep one or two guys to give fans a reason to show up to the ballpark and, you know, basically say, you know, we're just, you know, we're taking a step back. Give us a little, give us a couple of years. We still have some of your favorite players here to watch. Fine. This is the Marlins we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Whatever last shred of trust their fans had for them evaporated like, what, five, six years ago? Um, I would say longer than that, but yeah. Yeah, so, which is part of why, you know, Jeter has been so open about, like, they've been like, even even like the stuff they leaked to reporters, it's basically saying we're doing this because of the money. Not because of the prospects. Did you listen to that Dan Lebitard interview with Samson? That got super uh, heated? I, I did not see that, no. Okay, there was like this back and forth where he was talking about like the debt and just kept harping on the debt and that they're just trying to get their heads above water and blah, blah, blah. And that Lebitard just kept firing back like, yeah, they're, they should be happy. The former Exodus owners of the Marlins are really happy because they made a lot of money off this sale. And yeah, like... They're happy, but like all the taxpayers in Miami who funded this new stadium that are now operating like a triple A team, yeah, they have a right to be mad. And it was just this weird, awkward back and forth where he's just pointing out, like, yeah, this is a publicly funded stadium. And they tried to pretend they were going to become now that they had this new stadium, they're going to be a uh, just kind of like a New York South situation where they're actually going to start spending. They're not going to operate like the Rays and blah, blah, blah. And then obviously that's not going to happen or come to fruition. And it was just. I, I highly encourage you to check this out because it was it was uncomfortable, but it was pretty entertaining. I mean, I, as I'm sure everybody listening knows, the Jeter Group bought the Marlins with a lot of money that they don't have. Yep. Um, so you can like you can and should rag on these guys for just you know stripping the franchise down to the bone and like profiting off of it, but also you can and should call out the league for allowing this to happen in the first place. Um, because everybody knew what they were getting into here. This, there was no. This was like an open secret. Like everybody knew what was going to happen when when these guys bought it because they're buying up money they didn't have. Um. So yeah, Jeter owns like three percent of this franchise. Well, yeah, it's it's Jeter and and the suits who back him. Yeah. Um. But like, so in a way, like being able to be open about just being okay we're just being evil profiteering assholes here like that in a way enables you to trade Christian Yelich and JT Real Muto and Justin Bohr and whoever mm. um because like nobody's gonna show up anyway so just <laughs> screw it and trade them yeah no one's but on coming. the other hand it like eliminates a lot of your leverage and trade negotiations they have to um, Yelich. like there's no way around this at this point but, like I was surprised they got as much as they did for Ozuna, um, and like what they got like wasn't bad. Like like the Alcantara Sierra package is not bad. A lot better than um, the Stanton package. Well, yeah, the Stanton package most of it was that. That the, was just the, the thing, money package. The the thing they got back was financial two hundred sixty five million dollars. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. 
the Yankees bought John Carlos Stanton, mm-hmm. um, which you know as they should. Like when John Carlos Stanton falls into your lap, you do that. Um, so yeah, like so yes, they should trade, like because they're like because of the money, because they're being so open about it, because it's just the prudent thing to do. Because not like it's like usually when you're a shitty team, you have a good farm system just by virtue of drafting so highly. The Marlins have a god awful farm system because their scouting and player development departments are just so bad. Um, so they don't have prospects really until like a week ago. Um, so they should be selling off whatever's not nailed to the ground and praying they get some decent stuff back. Well, you and I um, killed this team because we were talking about the deadline last year where it was just like the Marlins were like, they kind of were sneaky jumping into that like wild card situation. But we were both like, well, their farm system's terrible. And like they, their best prospects, I mean, their best trade value guys are Stan Yelich and Ozuna. But we didn't think that'd be enough to really expedite this rebuilding process. And it looks like that's where they're going no matter what anyway. I mean, even if they get like absolute hauls back for Yelich and Real Muto, I think Yelich could they, bring back the best haul. Well, yeah, they could because they're both cheap and really young and really good. Yeah. Um. So like they they could get a lot for these two guys. Um, to partner with what they got with. Uh, I don't know who the right the, fit for Yelich is. Ozuna made so much sense on the surface for St. Louis. I don't know who like makes them like who stands Milwaukee. out like the perfect. Milwaukee. Ooh. I mean, is Milwaukee ready though? They should be. Okay. They should be all over this guy. Milwaukee's um, in a weird spot because they overachieved last year, but also if like the Cubs signed Darvish and they're like going to sign Harper next year. It doesn't matter. You don't think doesn't so? matter. Okay. No, it doesn't matter. Their their prospects are almost ready. They won 86 games. It's time to try. Um, that, that's, yeah, that's a they sneak into the They can't worry about wild. the Cardinals and the Cubs. They no, that's a sneak into the wild card and you know just roll the dice kind of thing. It worked um, out really well know, for the Pirates. But like, but you, like, you have to try. Yeah, I mean, the, like, the what's the point the of what's, yeah. what's the point of doing this if you're not going to try? So you think this is the year to try though for the for the Brewers? But why not? If Christian Yelich is available and you're going to have him for the next five years, and you've got one of the best farm systems in baseball, and you can afford the guy, why not? I guess. Yeah, you could sell me on the Brewers. Do you think that's ultimately what happens? Is that what your gut's telling you? No, I don't what, think it's going to happen. What's your gut telling I... you for Yelich? My gut for Yelich is, I mean. Frankly, the Cubs should be on this guy too, but um, mm. uh, I don't think he's getting traded to the NL. I don't think they're trading Azuna and Yelich to the NL. Why not? I don't know. That just seems weird, doesn't it? Like two of your top young outfielders, you, you trade him to whoever ponies up for him. Uh, yes. the Rockies. The Rockies uh, would be interesting. He'd be really good on on Colorado. I'd like that. Uh, the Rangers maybe. The Rangers I don't make sense. I, I don't know how much like how how much they're trying right now, but like it, it makes sense on paper, I guess. Um, they're in a really weird spot right now. Uh, if you're the Phillies, you try. The Phillies have like they've been like looking at him for a while, from what I understand. Yeah. Um, their outfield's already really weird like it's already full before they traded for carlos santana and now maybe reese hoskins has to play left field i don't know what the uh, phillies are doing i they've got something else coming that like that they you don't do that without just like okay fuck it we're, like we'll figure it out yeah um so i mean like if you can move altair and somebody else then yeah yeah why not um the red Sox. 
I mean, like, here's the thing. Like, the Mets are like the most obvious. I thought the Mets. Hit. That was my first thought with Yelich, and I was like, the Yel. Like, I'm not kidding when I say like the Mets were my first thought when I saw the Yelich stuff. And I was but, like, like, yeah, that would again that would involve trying, yes. which we know <laughs> you're not supposed to try in baseball anymore. Apparently, um, yeah. did you read Mark Craig's thing that he just like destroyed the Mets? <laughs> yes, I did. It was wonderful. Um, like like four years overdue, but wonderful. Um, oh my god! Like Christian Yelich makes all the sense in the world for the Mets. It's never gonna happen. Um, okay, I'm glad we're on the same page there because that was my first thought, and I was like, "Is this weird that the that the Mets, excuse me, that are were my first thought for Christian Yelich?" Because it just that's that was my first thought. And I was like, "The Mets aren't gonna do this," but this makes perfect sense for them. Yeah. Um, like the White Sox baby. Um, yeah, that's not bad. Padres are sniffing around everybody. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if the Padres do that. Um, I think maybe Cleveland can afford them. Maybe Cleveland's um, in a weird spot because I think Cleveland's on the last year or two of their contention. And Ye- Yelich would like extend that window yes. by a lot. That's why I think that would be really good for them. That'd be a sneaky like people wouldn't and like talk he, about he would it. fit that offense so well. Yeah, I agree. I think the Indians might be the dark horse of like actually being a big October edition that people don't realize is a big addition when it happens like you put christian yelich in that lineup it would be so much fun yeah i agree and then you can finally move um uh just uh, <laughs> uh yeah you could you can move that lineup around to um you can finally move jason kipnis to uh the mets where he belongs for the last five years of his career uh, apparently that's not happening no this is not is it is it finally done kipnis is the mess is finally done you know I, I, again tr- trying um, <laughs> again trying yeah uh, but yeah, so there, there's a lot of teams for, for uh, Yelich. Real Muto, my ma- my mind immediately went to the Angels. Uh, the Diamondbacks also fit. Diamondbacks uh, are weird. I don't know what to make the Diamondbacks. Do they look at themselves as overachieving because they are talking to other teams about Grinky and like what? Like I don't understand why they're like moving Corbin. Like that's very strange to me. Like well, I'm, I'm they assuming lose Martinez. Like what does that do to them? Like Martinez was well, like, so good. First for them of all, they half. should be like going nuts trying to resign jd martinez right like isn't that a thing like i don't understand why we're not really talking about that more of like it's just this foregone conclusion like with hosmer and Kansas city yeah the royals should not resign eric hosmer they need to go through a full rebuild but like the dimebacks were really really awesome they just with martinez. won like 97 yes. games right? <laughs> why are you not spending for jd martinez this is ridiculous you want him and goldschmidt in the middle of your lineup for as long as you possibly can i like I, if i'm arizona like i'm going nuts getting jay martinez i'm like trading for jt real muto so i don't have to start jeff mathis that's a win like, now team it is the definition of a win now team and and i don't know this is what the the stuff coming out of arizona this weird winter is weird um because like i mean like maybe they're trying to like save up but like nobody's for gonna what? Suck. yeah <laughs> no like, like you're not getting harper you're not getting machado i i don't get it um but yeah, like uh, Real Muto, my mind immediately went to the Angels. Um, like Maldonado just won a Gold Glove, but doesn't hit. Um, so I, I think that he would make sense for them. Uh, I, again, the Mets, but you know, trying. Um, the Nationals, I think, would be fun for Real Muto if they're ready to move on from Weeders, which they should be ready to do. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, Dimebacks. Last thing. You Darvish, we've talked about this a little bit. 
I think he's end up in Chicago. Where do you think you Darvish ultimately ends up? Because I'm not buying this Minnesota hype that's come up in the last 24 hours. Yeah, I th- I think that I mean I I think Minnesota is going to make a good faith effort for him, but um, the Cubs just make too much sense, I think. And I think if I'm you, Darvish, I want to win as quickly as possible. So the Cubbies, um, I think Minnesota winds up with like Alex Cobb or something. Um, like they, they Minnesota. <laughs> it will be very Minnesota, but like you know, okay, let's say you, so now you've got Santana Cobb, maybe Barrios is actually good. Um, it's very Minnesota, but if you're going to hit a lot, it works. Yeah. Um, which is what happened in 2016. Do we believe that's going to happen back to back years in Minnesota? You mean 2017. I mean, yeah, 2017. Sorry. Yeah. Do, uh, do we I mean, like I was, lightning to strike twice for this team. Like I was saying earlier, like a bunch of their guys just started hitting in, 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 uh, August or so, including Buxton. Um, and if Buxton hits, then, then you've got a lot of interesting stuff happening in that team. Um, like Jorge Polanco started hitting. Yeah. I want the twins to be good. I think, I think that the twins being good would be fun. They're, they're a fun bunch. Um, that was a fun wildcard game. It it was very fun. They were winning for half an inning. That was really fun. (laughs) You know, like if you like, if you put like the, like the current twins roster, and you like give every player their best possible outcome. Like that's a really fun team to watch, um, and I think it would be good for baseball. Um, so yeah, they should be going really hard right now, trying to sign a pitcher or two. Um, and I think they're going to wind up with Darvish. And I've always said uh, Arietta to the Angels is what's going to happen. Oh, um, okay. Are you still feeling good about that? Yeah, because they need another pitcher. Um. Because right now it's Otani and just guys. Uh, because yeah. Garrett Richardson's never healthy. Well, because a couple of days ago I was like, oh, could CC now sign with the Angels? And that obviously is not. He was season. never leaving New York. That was never going to happen. You don't think, so you were never worried about him leaving? Nope. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, the Angels are interesting. Um, how worried are you about Otani? Uh, a lot of guys have that crap. It happens. I'm not very so you don't worried. think he's going to have Tommy John in the next year? No, I mean, who knows? Maybe it tears, but like that's like, I mean, that torpedoes the entire like, season. Well, for yes, the obviously, but like, yeah. I mean, I'm not very worried about it because, like, like, like they were saying, like this is just like par for the course, and like, it's a, it's a strain, it's a, or it was sprain rather, a sprain. Um, that's that's it happens. It, it's not a thing. Whatever. Um, so final prediction on you, Darvish. Where does he end up? Right now, we're recording this on a Monday night. Where do you think he ends up? Final prediction. The Cubs. Cubs. Okay, so we're on the same page. That's not fun. We both picked the Cubs. Okay, let's do this. An alternate pick for you, Darvish. That My aren't alternate you, yeah, Darvish right. pick. Mm. Uh, again, you got the stupid, you know, it's not a salary cap, but it's a salary cap thing going on. Uh... Without like you know knowing people's money off the top of my head, uh, the Cardinals. I was thinking the Cardinals. <laughs> we do, we need to disagree more on this podcast because that was like like I was saying earlier, but they, they, the pitching still isn't there for me. They get you Darvish, then all of a sudden that's very interesting. The Nationals also wouldn't surprise me. I would think if they're getting anybody, they're getting Arietta because it's the Boris thing. Yeah, that's true. Um, 
The Nationals are going to sign somebody, or they're going to trade for like Matt. Like, is Matt Moore a free agent? Is Matt Moore? Matt Moore? No, he just got traded to the Rangers. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. Because I Matt Moore was like one of my offseason lists. I made this whole like list of like people who I thought was going certain places, and I thought Matt Moore made a lot of sense in Washington. Um, hmm. I don't know. McCutcheon? Do you think where did he where does he go? I don't think he's getting moved. Okay. I think he seems like a Washington guy too. No, they'll have their full outfield next year. Do we assume that Jason Worth's going to be there? No, Jason Worth screams future giant to me. <laughs> that is very true. Is he like the Hunter Pence replacement? <laughs> yeah, because apparently Pence might be getting moved. So. Exactly. Do you need that beard replacement? Um, yeah, you Darvish, man. If he doesn't go to Chicago, I I don't think he's going back to L.A. I don't know. It, it It's tough. But my backup thought was the Cardinals. Is there any chance the Astros would, would swoop in? No, um, they're secretly still stingy as hell. Okay. I like secretly stingy. That's my favorite word we've used in this podcast. All right, man. This was a lot of fun. I'm glad we were able to do this tonight. Me too. All right. Well, Nick, we can read you at Sporting News. We can read you at Baseball Prospectus. And we can uh, do all of that great stuff over there. And we can read you on Twitter, delivering the hot takes at Stellini Tweets. Nick, thank you as always for taking the time, sir. Thank you. All right, Nick, we'll talk soon. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.